0: Well, and you're not done learning, right? It's a journey. You're going to you learn all these little things. And like we were talking about earlier at the tipping point, one day you wake up hopefully and you're like, oh man, I don't know that I need to go to work. You know? Yeah. So, so what does financial freedom look like for you?
1: Uh, financial freedom for me is ideally just to be able to, I mean, I know everything's going to start out small. It's just, but where it is, I'm my own boss to where if I want to go and it goes back to the, you know, I want to be able to work or you know work to live i want to be able to go there's a lot of experiences i want to be able to go do it if i want to come down and see see my friends down here in colorado and come see y'all y'all i can come you know drive down and say hey you know I need you to run things. I'm going to be gone and not have to worry about necessarily putting in a PTO. I'm still going to work, obviously, but it's, yeah. you know.
0: Well, well, you're young in your career, right? Yeah, I mean, so this very... sounds, this vision sounds nice. It sounds like it's a little bit out, but you're doing all the things right now that are correct. I mean, you're yeah. you're setting this healthy foundation for yourself. Yeah. You clearly see the value of checking accounts, savings accounts, the emergency funds, you have your company right. retirement accounts taken care of, yeah. and then you're saving above and beyond that when you can. You're investing in your wife's exactly. education for the greater good of the family. I mean, dude, I, I think it's as a snowball, right? Yeah just keep rolling the snowball downhill, it'll keep gaining snow and you'll, I realize financial freedom as long as you you keep these healthy practices. I think you're crushing it.
1: That's, that's the plan. It's just, you know, I'm an impatient person. So it is that I always feel, and this is one of the things I'm always my worst enemy. I feel like I'm not pushing myself hard enough. I tell myself, okay, there's, I know I'm working here, but I need to be doing something on the side to be able to get that goal to where when I do, I can transition out of working from a salary based to into, you know, a passion of mine or into my own.
0: So maybe that looks like setting up another savings account and slowly, you know, regardless of the amount, if you're putting $1 a week, $1 a day, a $100 a week, whatever you can put in, and that's towards this idea of, you know, starting a business. Exactly. You know, that's that's something. And it could be something to work towards. It gives you a a prize to keep your eyes on and and motivate you.
1: Yeah. And we talk about it all the time is that, you know, when she eventually graduates, she'll be at the point where she'll make enough to be able to Support me, and once she right. graduates, oh, then that is it's exciting. So it, you know, it's awesome when, when I when we hear about it. It's just you know, it's it's it comes very quickly. Like yeah. when I just found out, I've been down here for two years and yeah. in Texas, all is just you know, it blew my mind. Us, I, I can't believe it's come by that fast. So I mean, it's you know,
0: welcome. To the seeking financial freedom show a show about everyday savers and investors like you and the journey seeking financial freedom in today's show my interview guest is brian marston a 25 year old married young professional that is living in texas and working as an assistant superintendent for a civil construction firm we sat down to discuss his journey seeking financial freedom and how he approaches his everyday financial decisions in today's show we'll also take a look at the two types of employer-sponsored retirement plans And the differences between them defined benefit and defined contribution plans we will review the critical importance of building an emergency fund we will discuss the benefit of investing in a spouse's education we'll take a look at the dangers of overconfidence when investing and lastly learn about what the uptick rule was so let's get started we'll begin today's show with rule seven of the ten rules for realizing financial freedom Rule seven is to establish and build an emergency fund because it's truly essential that all investors have access to an emergency fund for dealing with issues like a layoff, a car breakdown, or the need for sudden travel. The main issues to consider when selecting where to keep our emergency funds are as follows safety, liquidity, which is how easily we can access our money, taxation and return. And because you may need access at any time, it could be a mistake to hold anything other than cash and cash-equivalent securities in your emergency fund. The safest place to hold your emergency fund is going to be an FDIC-insured bank account, but you could also hold it in a brokerage account as an alternative. The following are general guidelines for establishing your emergency fund. If you're a young professional with a steady job and no dependents, then you can likely be comfortable with three to six months' worth of expenses in your emergency fund but the goal should still be establishing an emergency fund with about six to 12 months worth of expenses. Now, people that do have dependents at home, like children or a stay-at-home spouse, or maybe they have a specialist job that is difficult to be rehired into at another company, well, then you should really have that six to 12 months worth of expenses established in your emergency fund. And then the third group here are going to be those with dependents late in their careers or senior positions like C-suite executives or those just generally approaching retirement you'll want to have 12 to 24 months worth of expenses established in your emergency fund because you may be out of work longer in this situation, or you may also have higher expenses. Just remember, the bottom line is an emergency fund is not something to be discounted or dismissed. It may seem unnecessary in good times, but in bad times, it's our life vest on a sinking boat. So establish an emergency fund, and if you wanna see more of the 10 rules for realizing financial freedom, check us out at www.seekingfinancial-freedom.com. Dot com. Now let's take a look at my conversation with Brian Marston. Brian, thank you very much for joining me today.
1: Thank you guys for having me. It's Absolutely. awesome to be here.
0: Yeah. And uh, so you are you're visiting uh, Boulder, Colorado. Where are you living nowadays?
1: Uh, right now I'm staying. I stay north. I live in uh, Texas um, in a little town called Anna. I moved from North Carolina. So it's a big change going from, you know, small town, North Carolina, where it's uh, you know, not even half the population of DFW, so getting out there, it's big change. But
0: And DFW is the Dallas-Fort Worth area, is That's that right? correct. Yeah. Okay, so you moved from North Carolina to Dallas. When, when did you do that?
1: Uh, I moved there. I've been there just over two years now. I want to say it was uh, back in May of 2016, okay. 2017, that I moved out that way. Nice. Time just flies by, so it's hard to it keep does. track of when I moved.
0: And before that, you were born and raised in North Carolina? Yeah. Cool. So what brought you to Dallas?
1: Uh, work actually brought me out to Dallas. It is. I had a, uh, I was working at a job that seemed like I had a plan for it to go somewhere. Uh, I was managing one of the youngest uh, production managers for Caliber Collision nice. back in uh, North Carolina. So it was, you know, it was a lot of work cut out for me, but they just gave me empty promises. And after a while, I kind of said, you know, something's not going to happen. So I just went out and. I said I'm going to go out on a limb and had a job opportunity actually working for a general contractor out in uh, Texas, and they paid me to move out there and everything. So I ended up in Texas. never wow. imagined I'd end up out that way.
0: That's cool. So you, you kind of felt like your situation had plateaued. You you maybe weren't in a in a position where you could make the next move that you wanted to do. So you decided, I'm going to make an investment in the future, pick up and move to Dallas and take an opportunity that you had there?
1: Yep, cool. exactly.
0: Cool, so now you're visiting Boulder, Colorado with your brother, um, what, what brought you here?
1: Uh, brought us here, just come see some friends, and honestly Colorado has been a place it is. I've been here since I was about 12 years old was the last time I came to Colorado during Very the cool. ski season, so it's the first time actually being here in the summer, so it's uh, it's beautiful. Nice. I've and, always loved the mountains. Yeah, yeah. and
0: uh, are you staying with a friend, are you staying in a hotel, what does that look like for you when you travel?
1: Uh, well, right now it is when I'm traveling, I'm staying with uh, Corey. Cool. So, you know, Corey's always been a great host. I've lived close by Corey and when I lived in North Carolina and, you know, lived. He, Corey's family to me. So, yeah. You know,
0: it's, so he lets you stay with them for free?
1: Uh, uh, sometimes. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> cool. No.
0: So you're just traveling out here. You stay for free. Uh, yeah. I assume you had to fly out there, so you bought a plane ticket. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the least of the expenses. when you come coming out to a place like this, I haven't seen Corey since, actually, since my wedding back in uh, October two years ago almost. So you're so a married man. Yeah I am. Fairness. So it's uh that's been been going well I've actually I've been with her for uh, eight years now. Really? Yeah. So wow you're a
0: young man how old are you? I'm 25 years old. 25 so you've been with this girl since you're 17.
1: Yeah it's yeah. it's been quite a long time so it's just uh it's worked out and you find somebody who's you know it's just all worked out well for me so yeah it makes you happy you just find a way someone that supports me she pushes me when I need to be pushed and it's kind of helped me get to where I'm at now. It's, you know, it's actually her father-in-law's one that gave me the uh, introduction getting into the construction industry. Really?
0: So, uh, so you kind of proved the saying, it's not uh, what you know who you know sometimes, it's, at least to get your foot in the door a lot right. of times.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically what, what it is he told me is that, because he's a vice president for, uh, he's worked all over for a lot of really big construction companies that do well over $500 million a year in uh, gross profit, so he's he's born for this. He's known well out throughout just for everything he does. And so he put his name out there and just basically said, look, I'll get you on board and, you know, I'll get you good pay and I'll get you basically your foot in the door. And it's whatever you do with this opportunity is on you from there. I'm just right. opening the door and it's, uh, you know, what you do with, it's going to be on you and yeah. me being who I am, everything I've not to sound, it sounds arrogant when I say it, but everything I, everything I go for, I've been given it just 110%. Good. So, Since there, I've gotten, you know, just small recognitions from companies and a lot of other people, like subcontractors that we hire out, just basically saying that, you know, they appreciate everything I've done and they feel I have a lot more years of experience than what I actually have. I've only been doing it for two years.
0: That's great. I think that's, I mean, it sounds to me like you're passionate about what you're doing or at least passionate about being good at what you do. And that's in my opinion, very important characteristic in in successful people that passion for what they do and passion for succeeding in what they do. So, I mean, no, you know, regardless of uh, confidence, it it does sound like you, you put the work to back it up. So that's good. So I mean, essentially what I'm hearing is you, you have, you're in this position now after living in the Dallas, Fort Worth area for two years where you're comfortable enough to, to go on a trip to Colorado. Um, You're married, you have a wife. Uh, in, in Dallas, Fort Worth. And you had made that move from North Carolina two years ago as well, which also cost money. So you, you've you put yourself in this situation where you can be financially successful. So kind of take me back to, uh, to maybe that job where you decided you wanted to leave it. I mean, how'd you get into that originally?
1: So originally I had actually, I was, so my first stint, I started out going to college and my plan was go through college. I wanted to get I just had a business management because everyone was pushing me to college, college, college. And I agreed. where was
0: that? Where did you go to school? And that
1: was uh, USC. South
0: Carolina. Yes. In Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah. Okay.
1: So I went there for right about a year. And then after that, it was that I'm getting into my sophomore year, signing up for classes. And I really started thinking about it. I talked to some people that had graduated, some with a degree in radiology, some with just a business management. And that's, you know, I just didn't see for them they was they were struggling to find jobs the market was still really tough and Did
0: you know what you wanted to do when you went to college? I
1: didn't have a clue.
0: So so going to college was more just something that you felt like, you know, this is what people around me are doing, this is what my parents maybe are directing me towards. So it's just the it's the logical next step after graduating high school. I go to college. You clearly got good enough grades and did well enough on your entrance exams because USC I mean it's if not the best school in South Carolina, it's certainly one of the best. Yeah. So I mean, you're you're clearly an educated man with the solid foundation, educational foundation. You got into this school, which is a good school, top school in the state, but you don't <clears throat> feel like you necessarily have a path that you're you're passionate about, maybe.
1: Yeah, that's that's really where it is. It came down to. It's just I saw of what I wanted to go do, and it's I, I I'm I'm a full believer in you know if I want to make something happen, if I put enough effort into it. It's I don't I don't like excuses of somebody's going to hold me back or something is going to hold it. me back. Manifest it's a, your destiny. It's ex- exactly the way it is that I've I've heard before. It's just it's the same thing. It just says pain is just weakness leaving the body and your mind is the most powerful tool you have. So if you want to do something, I've seen time and time again, I've i the Marston's us as general. It's just, you know, it just for our physical physique, it's just we're not we don't seem very big, but that we're always underestimated. So for the same way of you know, it's saying, oh, you're not going to school. Well, there's a lot of, you I mean, there's a lot of people, of course, that said, you know, that's, that's the wrong decision. You need to be getting back into school. And I said, you yeah, know, I didn't, at the time, I didn't say, no, I wasn't going back. I just said, I need to take some time to figure out what I want to do.
0: I don't think that's a bad decision at all. I think uh, perhaps a lot of people aren't quite Mature enough, including myself, graduating high school. I just happened to get lucky that I did well enough and was able to find myself soon enough when I was in college to to turn things around. But I mean, I'm not going to lie to you and say that my first year in school was straight A's. I mean, it was a you know it was a struggle. You get a lot more temptation, whether it's partying or oh, yeah. or girls or or whatever it is. Yeah. You know, drinking, drugs, whatever it is <clears throat> that can easily distract you, and you have to almost have something if not a purpose a drive a passion to succeed in what you're doing to to get through that to not be sidetracked by that but you didn't feel necessarily like you had maybe that overwhelming um kind of thing at the end of the tunnel to to push you through this you felt like you would have better spent your time elsewhere than in school
1: yeah pretty much and that's where it's like it just i didn't find a drive for it i saw myself of what at the end, at the end game, after four, let's say four years, you get through and you graduate. What was I going to be doing? And ideally, the business management was always because you know, as we talked about a little earlier, is that just to be, just have some sort of entrepreneurship where it is I work, work for myself, and you know, be able to make my own. You basically have more control of my own destiny.
0: Were you picturing this? I mean, freshman year when you go to college, are you picturing what what does Brian Marston look like in year four, or is it more you just flying by the seat of your pants and, and figuring it out as you go?
1: L- little bit of both. It's, you know, there's a lot of, like you said, just growing up right after right out of high school. It's like, you know, my ambitions are, you know, way up here and it's just trying to not shoot shy of that, but still go for it. It's like, you know, basically you always shoot for the sky and worst case, you you hit the moon and you at least got halfway there. It's so. I wanted to try at anything, so my ideas of what I wanted to do is, you know, maybe just opening my own shop with some family and just have, like, a performance shop because that's something that I've always been passionate about is working with cars. and. Um, yeah,
0: you and your brother, right? So yeah. Family Family ordeal. Exactly. Exactly. But, but you... I mean, is that how, how do you get there? I guess so. I mean, what you, so you always had this orientation towards entrepreneurship. It sounds, it sounds yes. like I mean, even now working for a contractor—that's generally a small knit business, mm-hmm. a, if not a family business. Yeah. where you're seeing how the decisions are made, you're seeing how the ownership structure works, you see how management works. Um, you've got that inside look, which is certainly good if you—if your plan is to be an entrepreneur Definitely. eventually. But I mean, what what drew you towards entrepreneurship? What what attracts attracts you to that?
1: It's more so it is just because, I mean, we, we've all been in the situation where it is if you have you have your boss and, you know, you have to have a chain of command because it, it's what helps the structure of a business to be able to get where it is you need to be at. So everybody has someone to answer to because someone might be more big picture, someone's a little picture. Right. But anyway, it's you have your boss who's sitting here trying to tell you something and you know it's not going to work because you've already tried it one way and you have... And I know what I can do because I had already figured out a way to make it work more efficiently, and that was my title when I worked at the uh, – caliber into body shop. I was their production manager. I was basically, I'd find the bottlenecks and find a way to be able to make the processes run more efficiently to get cars in and out at the same time.
0: So so how did you get the, or, or I guess real quick on the entrepreneurship aspect, like what attracts you to it? Just the idea that it's, you get to be the decision exactly. maker?
1: It was the idea that I got to be a decision maker for it's, if somebody says something that I didn't agree with and I'd find a more efficient way to do it, it's my boss said to do it. So He's, he's, he's the boss essentially. So this yeah. is the way I have to do it. And it, you know, it, it always bothered me for, I have more of a, I guess, of a free spirit of that's how I'd like to. I, I mean, I love that. You yeah. you
0: just generally, I feel like you're describing this general chip that you have on your shoulder, which is awesome. I think, you know, I, I try to generate my own chips on my shoulders. Yeah. And if there isn't one, I'll find one just so that I, <laughs> it can push me. Yeah. But it sounds like you, you just feel that your passion and your drive for, this greater success or this, this consistent progress, you feel like maybe it's stronger than a lot of the middle management or bosses you run into at these companies you end up working at. So if you had the opportunity to make these decisions, you feel like they would be more efficient, or at least you would take accountability and ownership for them and say, Hey, I made those decisions. I stand by them. This is why I made them. And I believe this is gonna be best for the company moving forward.
1: Exactly. And it's just kind of, you know, one of those things I'm, I'm my biggest worst enemy. If, If I do something wrong, in my head, I'm, I've already beat myself up over it. And, you know, I look at the process of what I can do to be able to avoid making that mistake again. So it's, I've always had a drive to do more for myself. Anytime it is I'm doing something, I don't think, okay, I'm happy with what I'm doing now. I'll say, I'm not happy until I'm in his position. Once I get to his position, okay. then it's just move, move my way up. Onto the next. Exactly. It's constant
0: progress. I love it. Yeah. I love it. See what you're, you know, kind of try to reach that potential and to- you know, maybe we scratch the surface one day, maybe we don't, but who even knows what that potential is if you don't chase it. That's right. Cool. So, uh, so you, you're in school for about a year, you kind of realize this isn't a good fit. So what did you do?
1: Uh, after that it is, I went and I was, uh, living down in Wilmington for a little while. Did when, you tell your parents? Um, well, I, they did. They, they found out and that's where it is. I was staying. They found out
0: after the fact or they found out because you told them that you wanted to quit school?
1: Oh, they, they found out after the fact because oh. it is that I was going to sign up for classes and... Um, they, they were noticing. They are just like, well, have you not signed up for new classes? And, you know, at first I was a little hesitant because that was, you know, their their big picture, but it wasn't mine of, yeah. you know, what, what it is I wanted to go do. And I was like, well, I, I need to – I don't know what I want to go do. Eventually when it came down to the conversation of
0: were, – Were they paying for school
1: at the time? Uh, no, I was paying for my school.
0: So you were paying for school. They just noticed you're not signing up for classes. But, I mean, you know, they have a little bit less maybe uh, – maybe not influence, but yeah. – they can't force you necessarily. Yeah. I mean,
1: they, they were helping me at the time, you know, sure. my, my dad gave me a vehicle to drive and I was I able to stay with them. It was just basically, you know, is I, I had, I had help from them, but it, when it came subsidize
0: down to subsidize your living yeah, while you're paying for exactly. school, and it cool.
1: was just one of those things. So.
0: so, so you have this conversation you're saying, Hey guys, look, I'm just, it's not for me at least right now.
1: Right. And that's, that's where it, and when the plan was, when I talked to them, it was never, no, it was just, I don't know yet, and I feel that this, for me, I need to figure out more so what I want to do.
0: Not no forever, no for right now.
1: Exactly. And that's, sti- that's still my, my stance of where it is sure. I'm at, because right now it is, you know, I, I work for a general contractor, things are going well, I make a good living, you know, it's um, I'm able to do a lot more now than what I ever imagined I'd be doing You know, five, six years ago.
0: Yeah, and I definitely want to dive into kind of the yeah. current state of things and how you yeah, yeah. think things through and spend your money and all that, but um, just to get there, so you you notice you don't wanna do this, you have that conversation with your parents, it sounds like maybe regardless of the support or not, they're accepting of it, yeah. and you, uh, you then what, do and you then, go to this job with Billings?
1: And then after that, that's when I went and worked down, I was down in Wilmington, and I worked for the post office for a Wilmington, little while. Wilmington,
0: North Carolina? Yes, that's okay. correct,
1: yeah. So I was down there in Wilmington, North Carolina for a little while, and that's... How'd you
0: get a job at the post office? Isn't uh, that a desired job?
1: It, it was a pretty desired job, and a lot of people, even now, when I mentioned that I used to work for the post office, like, you're stupid for leaving that job. <laughs> they and got I'm a, a like, pension and stuff? Yeah, oh, no, man, it's, it's, <laughs> it's nice, it was. I mean, it wasn't, the people there were great everyone was, you know, was very helpful. In the so,
0: so tell me about it. I mean, how do you find out about this opportunity? What does the interview process look like?
1: Well, my, my stepdad, he's, a, he's a kind of a higher up. He's a postmaster. I don't know how the levels work of postmasters, nice. but he's, he's pretty high up there as far as it goes. He's yeah, actually ready to retire um, in the next, I think, five years. He's retiring from so the post office. attractive
0: retirement if you make it that high in that industry. is so oh, good for him. Good yeah, for him. definitely. so has got to be nice.
1: Yeah, he, so he got he got my foot in the door and it's uh, you know I was it was a great opportunity but you know 18 19 year old me at the time didn't uh, really you know appreciate it as much as sure. much as what I thought and it says you know as they're driving the mail trucks around all day there's they, they call them a hot box
0: Cause There's the, no air conditioning. No air conditioning. Ooh. You have a little fan,
1: and you can't ride with the doors open. And
0: I think it is, you know, admittedly, <clears throat> I, I think even they would admit it. It's a little bit of an older school job. I mean, you know, we have email and stuff now. Yeah. How many letters are getting really sent out? You know, they're mainly making money off packages, I think, through Amazon and stuff. So yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it's that last fifty miles is what they're what they're known for, right? Yeah, getting the last fifty miles. Yeah. Let's take a brief break from this interview to discuss what exactly a pension is. This is your personal finance term to know, a defined benefit plan, also known as a pension, and the differences between that and a defined contribution plan, like a 401 Remember, there are two types of employer-sponsored retirement accounts, a defined benefit plan, a DB plan, and a defined contribution plan, a DC plan. The main points of distinction are as follows. A defined benefit plan is commonly known as a pension, and it provides a promised monthly benefit to employees at retirement. Meanwhile, a defined contribution plan does not promise a specific benefit at retirement. Instead, contributions are made to individual accounts for the employees. An employee's benefit at retirement depends on the amount of those contributions and the investment gains and losses on those contributions. A defined benefit plan is different from a defined contribution plan in that the DB plan, lifelong income benefit is a function of a formula. Whereas the DC benefit is simply the total value of an employee's account at retirement, whatever that value happens to be. Defined contribution plans also typically pay a lump sum at retirement rather than income benefit. Now let's talk about risks and benefits of each plan. The risk associated in a defined contribution plan is that the investment risk is on the employee or the investor. There's no guarantee in retirement. Meanwhile, the risk with the defined benefit plan is that the pension benefit may become part of your divorce settlement if you were to get divorced. The court must issue in that case a qualified domestic relations order or what we call in the industry a quadro which stipulates exactly how your benefits are going to be divided between you and your ex-spouse. The other risk with the defined benefit plan is underfunding of the plan by the employer at the time of termination of the plan. there is there is protection here the pbgc or the pension benefit guarantee company does step in they collect insurance premiums for all defined benefit plans in the private sector so if a plan is terminated the pbgc takes over the liability of paying the plan benefits however the guarantee has a limit the limit depends on when the plan is taken over by the pbgc your age and whether the benefit is a straight life annuity for a single person or a 50% joint and survivor annuity for a married couple. Now, the PBGC publishes the limits every year on pbgc.gov, so you can check it out and know for yourself. But the maximum guaranteed amounts may be much less than what the participants had anticipated from their pension plan for participants with higher accrued benefits. Now, those are the risks. There are also benefits associated with each of these plans. A defined benefit plan keeps the money in a trust account that cannot be touched by the employer even in times of financial difficulty. It also, also with DB plans, the employer is responsible for managing the investments and takes a fiduciary duty. So they take on the investment management risk. They also have pension guarantees. Now on the other hand, defined contribution plan, employees and the investors get to manage and decide on the investments. So the investment management risk here is on the employee or investor. And then lastly, just remember that DB plans are funded completely by an employer, whereas defined contribution plans, the the end amount is a combination of employer contributions as well as employee contributions. A defined benefit plan is a program sponsored by an employer to provide income to employees in retirement. The income benefit is calculated with a specific formula. The inputs to the formula typically include a salary history, years of service with the employer, age, and when benefits begin. Defined benefit plans in the private sector are disappearing more and more over the last 40 years. They're becoming rare as defined contribution plans become more popular with employers because they get to shift the investment management risk from themselves onto the employees. So if you do have a pension plan through your employer, make sure that you understand the plan and everything that it entails, and also understand what benefit you expect to receive in retirement. Now, let's get back to my interview with Brian Marston. So, it wasn't that attractive to you? No. So, how long did you stay there?
1: I was there for, um, I want to say, about a year and a half. And after about a year and a half, it is that I had actually... So, my girlfriend, or my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, her sister... I'd been dating somebody, and he actually got me introduced to... He was a subcontractor, and he worked worked for himself. He would, we would wrap cars and do stuff like that. So On the side yeah, while, while
0: you're working at a post office. I mean, yeah. a year and a half, though, too, you you experienced it. You at least understand what the job is like. And, yeah. And so, again, you found yourself saying, I don't see this long term.
1: Yeah, and it's because it was really where it is I felt and when I was out there. It was just I was on my own. I'd be... There were some days... I don't remember the name of the position at this point, but sure. I was... It was. I was basically a temporary uh, carrier for their full-time carrier because everyone mm-hmm. had set routes that they'd go right. on every day. So they knew where they were going. And every time, you know, when I'd be in downtown Wilmington, I was majorly I was in S- Southport. Um, so I'd be I'd, I love my ride over there. That was my my biggest regret. It's a nice regret. area. Oh, I would take I had a 30 minute ferry ride to work in the morning. I I cannot beat that. That was yeah. My, that's cool. That was that was awesome. Do you so. have to pay for the ferry? Um, I, it was just a pass they had that okay. I ended up buying a yearly pass. So it was basically how much does
0: something like that cost?
1: Um, I want to say it was about three hundred dollars for the year, and okay. it was just okay. you know if I'm taking the ferry to and from work every day. Because um, if not, I had it was a little over an hour drive to get back if I missed the ferry or if I got so, off work too late.
0: It's like a dollar a day, six dollars a week. Yeah, it's, it's it wasn't bad. bad. So cool. So you ride the ferry to work every day, um, but again, you decide it's not for you. So then you yeah. you knew this subcontractor, and he opens up an opportunity for you.
1: He did. He he opened up, and he had um. Initially, the start was it was. I was supposed to, it was a promise of a lot more money than what I was making. It was almost going to double my paycheck. And he was able to show me a few good weeks of, hey, you know, here's what I was making. Really?
0: So, um, how, how much do you make at a post office, an entry-level job?
1: Um, it was, we'd be about $1,500 every two weeks. And then are you getting benefits? Uh, and that was with benefits.
0: So $36,000 and they're giving you health insurance. And uh, do you get like uh, retirement account benefits at that point?
1: Um, I, I was so young at the time, I didn't really sure. pay too much attention to my 401k as much as I do now. Sure, sure. Um. But, okay. Uh,
0: so $36,000 and this guy says essentially, hey, there's an, here's an opportunity to double your paycheck. Exactly. And so, what, would you be doing what was the pitch
1: uh the, well the pitch was it was I mean it, it was more of a labor intensive field it was working out you know it was it was so all the like the tractor trailers and stuff you see the, all my sons moving in storage all those it was basically they were just decals I had no clue that those were stickers I thought those hmm. were all painted on and so hmm. it was a com- I'd never heard of it didn't know what it was so he had to kind of teach me everything from the start Um, and so it is, he said, you know, I have an opportunity. So you guys are wrapping your vinyl wrapping cars. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's what we did. And it was, it was mainly, it was more on the industrial side of things. It wasn't as glamorous as what I thought it would be as the beverage trucks. We do. Uh, moving, moving trucks. And it's just, you know, it wasn't... physically doing it. Right. But
0: I... at least you're not, I mean, it's not, <laughs> you, you call it manual labor, but it's not like construction where you have the potential of really hurting yourself. I mean, maybe you'll fall off a ladder, maybe yeah, the roll falls on you, but yeah, it doesn't seem like at least it's got a potential hazard in the job.
1: No, it was, it was up on a scaffold, driving a scissor lift, something like that. It was, sure.
0: yeah. So, so, Is this all salaried pay? I mean, how is the structure where he's paying you significantly more than the post office?
1: That was how it was supposed to be. And that's the reason I say that is because it was, I first figured out that, after I got out there, you know, being being young and not very observant to it, I just jumped jump ship way before it as I probably should have. And okay, the paychecks so were a lot less. I was only making really. about like if if I was lucky to get about four hundred dollars a week just off of the one job. So it's you know. So
0: you're cutting your pay in half. So you kind of mm-hmm. took this risk and uh, and it didn't maybe pay off right. Away, at least. Yeah. It was part of your journey, but it was. wasn't quite what you expected.
1: Exactly. I, I don't regret it because it's helped me make the person I am today. Yeah. It's I don't my past is my past and it's I an leave experience. it there, but I just learned from it. Yeah.
0: yeah. So uh, how long are you here before you say, hey, I need to move on?
1: Um. Well, it is. That, that was where the reason I stayed as long. About, I was about two years just because that was. So you're 21? Yeah. Okay. And um, so at that point, we had, I was trying my best to be able to, he, he had hopes of opening up his own, his own business. And basically we were going to run a company together and it was just, you know, that's you where and the it, owner. Yeah. And, and that's where it is that we, and I, that struck part of, you know, my inspirations of what I wanted to do. And I saw it as a way of, you know, let's, let's make something work, but in a partnership, you know, your partner has to be just as, you know, involved as you are with it and, it's just, it didn't, never ended up taking off the ground. It was just a bunch of, you know, basically I call them porch talks where you sit out on the porch, you have a few beers, and you have these conversations of all these great things you want to do, but. You wake up the next morning and you, what are we talking about?
0: Oh, I've got a lot of those. Yeah. <laughs> it's really just about doing it though, right? That,
1: that's it. It's, it's a lot of people, they're afraid to take that step into Absolutely. doing it. it. It's frightening. It yeah. is. The
0: unknown is frightening, right? It's, it's, it's unknown.
1: It's well, because the risk is on you. It's you've always, yeah. you know, when you work for somebody, the risk is on them. If something happens at the yeah. end of the day, you're just, you know, you're an asset to them until you're proven otherwise.
0: Right while accountability is on you when you're the business owner exactly yeah but you like that you like I accountability did. you like being the guy that makes <clears> the decisions <throat> and people say hey what happened here and you say this is what happened you like that accountability you like the idea of being that guy so um, some might call that a leader
1: yeah <laughs> yeah I, I guess you could say that and it's yeah you know.
0: so, so so you're you're at this place two years what what's the writing on the wall where you decide hey I, I got to move on from this too. Uh, and Twenty-one, really? got to move.
1: What ended up happening is me and the guy who we, you know, I, I didn't know him that well. I'd really only met him for about a week or so before it is we, I jumped ship, moved from Wilmington to Greensboro, North Carolina, move all my stuff out. It's not too get much an going on there. Yeah, it's you know I'm, I basically so within like the first year, I don't, so I worked at the post office for it was a year, and then after that, and then I moved, moved out of my parents completely, and I I was staying with my mom down in Wilmington, um, moved out of there completely, and then went off, started a job with somebody I really didn't know that well, moved in with them. And, you know, we, we got along for the most part and everything was going well for first, you know, a couple of months. But as the financial strain really started to grow on me, I had, you know, I had a little bit saved up because I've been working ever since. I was, second place I ever drove to when I was 16 was to go fill a job application at a car wash. So. Cool.
0: But you had expected to be making more money in this job. So exactly. money got tight.
1: Yeah, exactly. Money, money started to get tight and I'm, I'm not a person who's going to sit back and take it. Yeah. Relationships
0: so, can often get strained when money is an issue and it mm-hmm. stresses you out. Maybe you're not completely present with other people all the time when you're thinking about that. So I certainly I get that.
1: Yeah, it was it was very stressful. I mean, it, it got so bad to the point where there is some weeks where it is I had, you know, I had we had dogs and stuff at the time. And uh, it got down to some weeks. Where it's just said I don't know if I can afford to even get food for myself. So luckily, the guy who we were working four um, he would you know if he saw we were tough having tough times he'd get us lunch occasionally but yeah. you know there's sometimes you go two or three days without eating just because it's money's just that tight and it wasn't what i was expecting the yeah. savings what i had put back was i went through it real quick making stupid decisions so.
0: yeah so you started saving when you're 16 you mentioned yes you could with your uh, second time out of the house your second time driving the car was to get an application at autobel yes it happened to be the car wash
1: yeah that was that cool. was there at autobel and that's where actually my brother got me a job there and actually the uh, guys Before I was able to start driving, I was able to kind of go hang out with them a little bit. They were always, we had a really, it was more like a family is what we all had because we all knew each other outside of work really well before we actually started working there. So That's
0: great. That's that's good to have that kind of family feel at work. So you you, you were able to drive, you get a job. Yeah. Uh, you have a job at 16. I mean, were you saving money prior to that? Like when when did you start getting this idea that saving money might be a good idea?
1: Um, well, it was really when I was about 13 years old. I used to have a, uh, yeah, about 13 is when I started just cutting grass around the neighborhood, just doing what I could, you know, make a couple hundred bucks here or there and save it. I didn't have anything particular I was saving for. Just put a little bit of it back and I've always been so
0: saving in a piggy bank.
1: I had a checking account that my dad oh, had opened up for me when I was about uh, shoot, we were about nine years old. Maybe, wow, I mean
0: that's you know we yeah. kind of undersell that there, but I think that's kind of a big aspect that your dad was helping you at least think about money from an early age and yeah. think about managing it and ownership. You know, this is your money, this is your account. You know, deposit money, save money. So thirteen, you get a checking account. Sixteen, you get a job. In between that, you're you're doing uh odd jobs here and there mowing the lawn and yeah and so you get this sense of if i work i make money i make money i save money yeah and it builds my wealth over time
1: yeah exactly so it was you know it started out slow it was just a lot of labor whatever odd end jobs i could get you know some chores around the house but it was i had four yards i'd have to go cut every week and it's you know it was a hundred dollars every month but it was i had those four hundred dollars coming in every month and you know for a 13 year old it's not bad.
0: Yeah. And maybe you can't pinpoint it exactly to those hundred dollars you made mowing the lawn, but yeah. perhaps those habits and that those savings are what you survived on when you know you were having a little bit tighter of income when you're 21 and you know, you, you're almost relying on the fact that you did save. What if you hadn't saved? What if you hadn't worked from 13 or yeah. hadn't worked from 16 and you didn't have any savings when you find yourself in that position? That's even more stressful and could make you almost make a decision that uh, wouldn't be wise because of the stress. Um, so you, you're at least in the situation where you had some savings. It tends to you go through the savings. You you realize, look, I can't go on living my life this way. Certainly not with the goals that I have in mind. Just not making enough money. The yeah. promise was there, and I'm just not making enough money. Yeah. So what happens? What happens then? Have, uh,
1: so after after that, it was just kind of that's. I actually got a call. There's a friend I went to school, went to high school with, and it was just one day out out of blue. We go off to lunch, and I get a phone call from him, and his. His family has been really well off. They, we actually used to live to him when I was living in Huntersville, uh, and this is what got me to move from Greensboro, and then I moved back to Huntersville and was staying with another one of, i basically one of my other brothers, uh, Hunter, and then my my older brother Tim. So I moved back to Huntersville. They had a house there, so they already were established. And that's I was, nice. Oh, it was it was a it was a blessing to be able to have that just available because I moved back there and. You know, I'm from that area originally, so. But you're homeless. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. you're literally
0: homeless at 21. You know, yeah. you're you're not making enough money to to pay the rent. So, luckily, you you have these relationships that you've established over time, and this yeah. this guy's done well financially. So you're able to at least stay with him while you figure it out.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I was able to you know go back, and I went and was living with my with my brother and uh, Hunter, and then. So the my friend who I went to school with he's he was he was it was humble we didn't really know how much money he had but after I kind of got to know him a little more and you know as we got older you know when you're younger you don't care so much about the finances you care about what you can do with the finances yeah yeah so uh, you know we just always get to have fun we used to ride dirt bikes and stuff together go out and you know play on his farm he had out in uh, South Carolina um, so you know his his dad owned all these body shops and you know they're they're small you know they're really nice people they, they were able to. You know, they threw me an opportunity out there and said, hey, you know, it's not great. But, you know, if you work your way up and you prove yourself, it's went from. So I went from being a subcontractor where I was losing money to where I at least had a set number of hours where I was just washing cars at a body shop.
0: Subcontractor being at the vinyl shop. And then. Uh, this gentleman gives you an opportunity to work at his body shop.
1: Correct. Okay.
0: So then what was what the role here?
1: And the role there, I started out, I was washing cars and went cool. from washing cars up to, it was, so there was processes after the car came out. Um, you know, you get you get everything painted. After you get it painted, you reassemble it, and then it goes over to get uh, buffed because after it comes out, it's not perfect. There's imperfections in it, and then it goes to the wash pit. So I was the lowest guy on the totem pole when I started out there, but I quickly realized that most of those guys were in there. Some of them were just convicted convicts. There was just some weird creeps, some of them that would come in there, and not a lot of them really had a lot of motivation. I mean, you know, you don't have a lot of motivation being in that spot, but it's I just was, you know, was doing the best with what I was given, and eventually it paid off, and I slowly worked my way up, went into the buffing, and then after that I had an opportunity because they saw my drive, and I was, you know, I knew the owner, and he's kind of – Saw my mindset after a few conversations we had, and he said, "You know, I'd like to have him run production." And this was wow. at BNR. Uh,
0: and you worked your way there. I did. So, uh, what kind of time frame is this?
1: Um, so this went. I was doing this for. I was out. I'd say in the shop for about a year, and so that went from working in the wash pit up to buffing cars all the way into the actual office side of the thing. It was. I'd say maybe a little over a year.
0: And then you get this opportunity for production Mm -hmm. and then they put like a sales role
1: um, production was it was basically I had to I was managing the cars from the time they got dropped off and we got the keys from the insurance companies. So we had it was a DRP, which is a direct repair, direct repair for uh, insurance companies. So they have a contract with us that we charge the insurance is going to basically we charge less for being able to do that insurance company. So they will send us business in return. Like wholesale business. Right. So
0: what. So if, you're the man though. Then this job gave you the, the opportunity to be the person accountable from beginning to end.
1: Exact, exactly. And that gave me a sense of, you know, a, a pride to be able to say where I came from and to what I was doing. And, and I, good experience. Exactly. It was great experience because I got to see the finance side of things. I got to manage yeah. the budget and everything. And actually surprising what a lot of people don't realize is that a uh, in the body shop, the, ma- the materials is what they see the most. It's like for 50% yeah. profit gain is what you see on almost all. Or not all, but if you're doing That's well. That's the target. Right. That's the target margin. Yeah, you can do really well. It's not not necessarily with the parts and everything. It's a small margin with that, but it's... It's uh, interesting I just, insight. I learned a lot with the inside of it, just for yeah. how to budget with, you know, just... Million. I, we had our our shop. We did. It was just over. Uh, it was five hundred and thirty thousand dollars. About a month is what we did.
0: Nice. Fifty percent margins are healthy. That's that's good if you can make your business run on that. Yeah. Operate and, on that.
1: And so we, I mean it was going well. So it was a uh, it was a small body shop at the time, and they got me in, and uh, it was B and R. And then as I said earlier, I was a production manager for Caliber. So Caliber Collision, you know, it's one of the largest body shops all over the United States. Um, and then they came and bought out his business.
0: Wow. That had to be good for him.
1: Oh, yeah, it was it was great for him I remember I, the day they actually signed the papers I go over to their house to go, you know Just talk with them and I'm going over to hang out with one of my friends that uh, you know I worked with there and the guy who got me the job and uh, his dad sitting in there smoking a cigar He's got this yeah, big smile on his face. He was ready to retire
0: I've, I mean that's got to be cool to see yeah. from your perspective too though that this gentleman that you know, I mean intimately that he uh he worked his way up. He built this business from scratch, I would assume, and, mm-hmm. and was able to sell it. And you, you see the, the benefit from it. I mean, but perhaps don't see the 30 years of hard work that he put into it on the front right. end. But it, it's still nice that you see that. You you see that's an availability. It's an option if you're an entrepreneur and do this correctly. So you end up getting absorbed by this large company. What does that mean for you?
1: Um, I mean, for me, it is that, uh, I mean, it was just a, there's a lot more opportunities in what were available because he had so... He had the guy who Tommy Morgan was his name is the guy who used to own all the BNR body shops and he owned 7 different stores. So with those 7 different stores it is that you know it, that's 7 stores when Caliber bought over it went from owning 7 stores to there's a couple of thousand stores and they had a lot more opportunities to where it is they have you know they had programs where they'd train you they'd pay for your training they wow. would you know so I've there was definitely
0: seen them around
1: Yeah yeah so they there's a lot of benefits that came with that big company to where it is if you could because I didn't have an education If I could work my way up through experience and then basically have somebody else finance me for it or sponsor. College education. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, college education, right. So I could have somebody else. If the opportunities were out there, I'd sit on my computer whenever I had free time and I could get – there's a lot of – so ICAR is a big thing for the insurance industry and for the body shop industry. And basically it just gives you certifications. And they had these classes that they would pay for. So in that industry, if you were iCar certified for all these different things, then it basically built your resume,
0: yeah. so to speak. Yeah, that's cool. Kind of like um, nowadays, people can do web development things yeah. without getting a formal college education. Cool. So, uh, were were you working your way up at this company? Were you able to get any further promotions, or
1: that what was would it look click? That was the plan. Um, it was because there was I had a regional manager and he, he was been promising me these all all these things, but I, I don't I don't always know if I completely blame him for it because was a he went from working he had worked for BNR where he was one of their go to guys and then went into Caliber and he had a lot of new things to learn and it's
0: probably what he was promised. I mean it, he probably thought that's the way it worked
1: it, exactly. And that's I mean from as I've gotten older and look back on it, I was bitter at the time saying you know he owes sure. me more money, but you know it's really it's what it came down to is that he had a job to do he had a family to look out after just like as i get older i have a job to do and i have my family to look out yeah. after and
0: were you still living with your buddy at this time yeah i was okay. i was
1: still the whole time i was working at the uh the body shop that's uh that's where i was living with Did you have to pay rent uh yeah we okay. did we had a little we had a three-bedroom house in uh in huntersville and the room i lived in was when i first moved there i got the last pick it was about the size of a closet but sure it was okay um it how was, much do you have to pay in rent um Oh, shoot, I want to say it was about five hundred bucks a month for okay. between all three of us. It was like a, and, you know, with the utilities and everything else, it was like five six hundred, depending on you know what affordable, kind of affordable at least, right? Exactly. So with you know with three people living there, we're all able to help each other out and have good company because I've known these guys. I mean, obviously my brother, but then I've known uh, Hunter. I've known him since you know shoot, I was two three years old. We've oh wow! Uh, we've been going and see them when we used to do taekwondo. When we were younger. He's actually how um, my dad and him met, with my brother here in the same. Uh, Uh, karate class cool so we did taekwondo together and then we grew up playing baseball together and it was just we just always did everything together so they were like i said they're family. Okay. So it was nice to have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah.
0: definitely nice and nice that you have people that you know and you can live with and not yeah. have to take a random roommate. So yeah. how much money do you think that you were making when you first got this opportunity and you were you know, simply washing cars to the end of this experience after the buyout and being a production manager? What is the pay difference from beginning to end?
1: Oh, the pay difference wasn't as drastic as what I expected because that's mm. where it is. I said that I was getting bitter at the time because the the guy who was promising me, he's saying, oh, you know, you're, you're going to be able to make over $50,000 a year, and then you get commissioned based off your efficiency on how well you can run it. And I knew for a fact I was running well, which was aggravating to me because I'd had the VP of the whole corporation when, you know, during the buyout, he'd come periodically come down and, you know, he'd talk with me and he they always heard very good things about me because I knew how to run the budget and keep everything where I needed to keep it at. And that's where um, you know, I, I just knew what I was doing because I took pride in what I did. And as yeah. everything I do, it's I want to be the best of my ability. I yeah. might not be the best at it, but I know when I go home, I can sleep well at night and say that I did my best. But it's it's really where it is it got me is that was I was told I was going to get paid a lot more than what I was supposed to or what I was actually making and then I'd be able to make commissions so it was performance driven. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's that motivate there's a motivator for me. Um and then, you know, on top of it more because their pay scale was a lot more. They were a lot larger company. And um uh, that just it after about two years, two and a half years of that, I ended up working for the body shop for three years um before I had left. Um but it was just it, it wasn't happening. And I got yeah. I after multiple opportunities where I'd sat down and talked with them and said, you know, is there anything I need to do or, you know, just what's going on? I would never get a straight answer and I, I couldn't wait around.
0: I feel like a lot of people could probably relate to this. I mean, I think, you know, there's a good fair number of people that are likely in a situation at work where they feel like maybe the opportunities aren't there. But, you know, what else am I going to do? What else are they going to do? So what obviously this is all going through your head. It stresses yeah. you out a little bit. You're kind of like at the point where you feel fed up with it. You, you feel burned almost. You didn't get the opportunity that was presented to you, or at least that you felt was presented to you. Oh, definitely. So what, what is that moment? I mean, are you at home? Are you on the toilet? Are you in the shower <laughs> playing baseball? Like what, what made you say, that's it. I'm done with this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't see my future here. Yeah. It, it's, there's no opportunity. I'm, I'm moving to Dallas Fort Worth.
1: Honestly, where, it, where it ended up coming, it didn't, the doors the, the doors are never going to open if you don't actually entertain the offer cause, so it is so I've told you, my wife now her her father her father-in-law is you know he's a VP at a construction is she company she moving with you this whole time by she the is, way She is she's she'd been everywhere I go she's I mean she'd never lived with me until okay. we got to Texas and after we'd gotten okay. married so she had stayed separate from me until I mean she'd come on weekends when she'd come visit and stuff like that you know she'd stay with us uh, of course, you know to be able to spend some time because and she's working she, at the time. Oh uh, no, she's actually she was in school, so she oh, gotcha. was, she went to school for human bio at Raleigh. So oh. I'm living in Greensboro and living in Wilmington. Greensboro and the, is
0: not too far from Raleigh, just for perspective. Yeah,
1: Greensboro was the closest I was to Raleigh, and that was okay. just over an hour away. Right. To be able to get there, so Wilmington was about two hours. So this whole time we do we did long distance relationship after that. So, so it's so, a little
0: expensive. I mean, it costs money to have a long distance relationship. Maybe, yeah. maybe you're not spending as much because you're not going out as much like uh, date night wise exactly. but you have to pay for the gas to get there yeah it's plane ticket whatever it is
1: exactly and you know you when you go there you want to have fun you don't want to just yeah. sit around so if you want to go do something you know you got to pay for the meals and everything but just to just to get out there it's just you know it was it, it did put a strain on our relationship for a while sure. just you know because financially i was expecting you know to be a lot further along than where i was and you sure. know she always stuck by me with it and just if I had a plan she knew I was going to do something with it but that's it's certainly got to help. I mean, you did. know,
0: imagine maybe without that support it would just be a little bit more oh, difficult mentally, emotionally. Yeah.
1: Definitely. I mean, it's it, cuz I was there I mean there's yeah, I mean, everybody knows I'm sure if anybody's been in that situation, everyone in college or just whoever has had to financially support themselves, there's sometimes it gets you you feel like you've hit rock bottom. You yeah. feel as if you know, I, I, that's how I started to feel is that I'd go home. It's like I'd work. I was working. I'd get there at six in the morning. I was the first person to open up the store and I'd be there sometimes till eight, nine o'clock at night and sometimes 12 o'clock. I'm talking 18 hour days, just crazy long days and then wake up. And there was some periods of time where I told you I used to subcontract. So when the body shop wasn't working out for me, I said, okay, well, let me get a second job. So I'd be working two jobs and get two hours of sleep and then next day have to go you know, not even get a chance to take a shower and get back to my own home and get a nice warm meal. It was just yeah. job to job, and it almost
0: got... sacrificing an aspect of your youth, sacrificing your rest in yeah. order for this greater pursuit of financial freedom. Hey,
1: that's it exactly. It was it was the that was the push that really kind of got me. It was when I'm sleeping in a uh, leather chair at the second job I was going to go do, which was wrapping cars at night. And it's you know after waking up at six and then leaving at seven o'clock. Uh, just at my primary job to be able to go do a secondary job. It's you know it was it was a more relaxing because you know I'm there. It's there's nobody there. Everybody else is gone. I'm just there doing basically just third shift work. I and, imagine
0: uh, you're in a daze. I mean, I feel like I would be in a daze at that point.
1: Oh yeah, it was it was a lot of uh, liquor and energy drinks. Was a lot of what got you I through some it. of those and late then, nights.
0: And then you're almost you're sacrificing your physical health for this for this uh, financial health, which is yeah. frustrating in and of itself. Yeah. So. So you've reached this point, uh, two years, two and a half years, where you're like, uh, something's got to break here. Yeah. So what presented, or did you have an opportunity when you decided to move to Dallas-Fort Worth?
1: The opportunity was, it was her family was moving, and they had been in North hmm. Carolina. They tried to stay there while she was in high school, so this way she didn't have to move around a whole That's lot. That's nice of them. Exactly. So his, I mean, her her dad, in a lot of ways, has inspired me because he's he he does really well for his family. He grew up very not well off so everything he's done he had to pay for his own school He's has his own engineering degree and wow. he's made his way up and be able to he's he had a sports car a corvette the z06 and he sold that to be able when times got tough in uh, wow. 2008 when the economy crashed he had to sell it to be able to help give them you know more stability and he did that for his family he loves that car he still talks about it <laughs> you know and i can't blame him you know me being a big car guy there's always that car that you know when you sell it's it, it, you don't want to, but it's a toy at the end of the day, and you have to realize what's li- what. What your liquidated access yeah. are? Well, and you, yeah. When you're,
0: I think you keep bringing up this recurring theme of accountability and ownership, and yeah. that I mean that's extreme ownership, right? That's extreme accountability. Saying yeah. my family's in need, I sell the car, even though I love this car. Yeah,
1: there'll always be another opportunity. And so anyway, yeah. he's 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 was kind of for what a lot of what he's done, and so he got an opportunity in uh, Texas because North Carolina uh, for the construction industry, as far as what Texas is, like I said. The North Carolina isn't even half of just the DFW population. So Mm -hmm. that's just that Dallas-Fort Worth area. And that's, if you go outside of DFW, which is where I am, I mean, the road systems, everything else from where I grew up, it's, there's... So many people is a complete just. So it sounds like you're change. saying
0: a lot of infrastructure opportunity. Exactly.
1: There's the the markets out here were twice as big as what they were, and there's just a lot more opportunities in that field. So. So he, her
0: family's moving out
1: there. Yes, her her dad got a job opportunity with a company that moved him out here. What he company had, is that? Uh, and that was with EMJ Corporation. Okay. So he had, they had moved him out here. He had been working with them for um uh, I don't know about five six months before it is he wanted to even so like a civil engineer. Uh he's a. Uh, um, I believe civil engineer is what he has his uh, engineering degree sure. in. Um, but uh, so he's there. He's running as the vice president of the construction there. He's right underneath the executive vice president at that office. Um, so he was in charge of just that Dallas office. And at the time I got on that company, they had five different locations. One was in the Chattanooga was their main. They had Dallas. Uh, they had Boston. And they had another one, I think, in Tallahassee. And they had a couple of satellite companies that they owned um and so you know but that's that was their main focus was doing construction and so he moved out there and afterward he saw he didn't want to be away from his daughter but at the same time he had gotten to know me a lot more to where he knew what my efforts were and so he opened that door for me and he gave me the opportunity and it was a nonchalant conversation where you know like hey what would you want you guys want to move to texas and we you know we didn't want to move because we I grew up in North Carolina and that's where that you know that had that security of wanting to stay home and I still miss home um you know it's I grew up there it's you know you, you all everyone's always going to miss where they originally grew up At least did so, so I can speak for myself but uh yeah. but you know so I didn't want to leave and that was where I was I felt complacent and I didn't know what I was going to do there my my goal was to work my way up through this production manager role but it wasn't going anywhere and it was all empty promises and I kind of had to sit down one day and I had to put my pride aside to be able to say, you know what, it's not going to work for me staying here, and I'm not going to be able to get where I need to be, even if it's, it's not a big what I wanted. Moment. To. It's a big decision. It it's was. It's a big,
0: uh, big thought process. And I'm sure it didn't happen over one day. but Oh, yeah. So it, so it almost sounds like, you know, my question earlier was kind of what was that moment? But that moment, it's almost maybe like uh, Malcolm Gladwell talks about, you know, it's more of a tipping point, right? Yeah. It's all these little things kept building up, and now there's this opportunity on the table where I could go to Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm at a point in my career where I don't feel like it's going anywhere. Yeah. Why not? Why not go try to take ownership and take control over yeah. something else that I can do and explore new opportunity?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'd say there wasn't really, like, like you said it well, it's just there's not really a defining moment that it was just like, okay, this is it, you know, I'm just sitting here watching TV one day and just I'm done. It was just... A collection of little moments of I I didn't see it going anywhere and this is this is an opportunity even if it's something I didn't feel comfortable in or didn't even imagine myself doing anything in it was you know because I got thrown into a role of an industry I know nothing about yeah what was the role what was the opportunity uh, the role was is uh being a basically an assistant superintendent so there's a a lot of different so they have assistant supers and then there's superintendent level one lead super general super and senior so they have all these different superintendent roles so just superintendents just a general description of it but it's where I do the similar of what I did as a production manager it's just I'd manage all subcontractors be able to meet deadlines uh, manage the budget and be able to finish the job on a on a certain times
0: kind of project management then
1: it, exactly and that's where is a ownership little, accountability again there it is again yep, <laughs> that's right so um you know we had to we'd meet with some of these people and it's just you know it's it, completely different than what i'm used to it's you know we get to go out the from my experience it's like from what i was used to it's it, i mean Completely new doors opened up and it's just, you know, it's It's different. Everything's
0: different. Everything's new, mm -hmm. different opportunity, different things to learn. Now, do you have to do any manual labor or is this avoiding that? Oh, no, I just, we're working for
1: the general contractor. If I do, I mean, there's the occasion where it is. If if it's not bought out, so I mean, there's, there's a process. I don't know if a lot of people aren't familiar with construction, but it's called change order. And so it's if there's an original contracted amount where they bid everything off the drawings and if there's something extra, you get a change order saying, hey, I didn't, that's not in my contract. So if you want to do it, here's how much it'll cost. And that's a whole process that'll, you know, inevitably sometime it'll end up losing three weeks on a job that you don't have. So it says, you know what, I can do this. I'll go out there and get it done. And it's just a matter of if you're going to be proactive. It's not my job to do it. It's just. That's yeah.
0: good. That's good ownership. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So cool. sometimes
1: you just got to run with it.
0: So uh, this job was this a, a higher paying opportunity than the last one?
1: Oh, definitely. It's I almost tripled my my income on my salary of what Very I was nice. getting.
0: So it's so at least you're kind of in that range that you thought you were going to be in. Ex- exactly. <laughs> so it's you
1: know it it was a the opportunity was there that wouldn't have been there, and like you said, it was it came down to who I knew. Yeah. And I d- I didn't I was weary of getting into this industry for that reason because I'm sure. I'm sure you even worked with somebody where you look at them and say they're not qualified for their job. They're only here because they're the owner's son or they're you know somebody nepotism is the ex- word for that. Ex- yes, that's that's <laughs> the word I was looking for. It's so so um, I didn't want that to be what my reputation was. So I went over there initially and I had to do some lying, which I wasn't really comfortable with. That's not much of my personality. I'm some people don't like me for it, but it's a I prefer a black and white approach it's i would like like you to know where i stand yeah. rather than be on the fence about something so That's fair you know but I, I at the same time i'm not going to be you know rude about it if somebody feels strongly about a certain way and i don't it, it's sometimes yeah. you pick your battles it's yeah. you know but if at the same time i'm not going to let somebody walk all over me so it's uh anyway so I, I went over there with that and i didn't we had to lie kind of about who i was i said oh he's a family friend you know he's not my father-in-law and you know eventually it's like high school. mean every corporate job you work in people always talk. so they eventually yeah. found out and everything, sure. and I was, you know afraid of that. And then everyone started treating you a little different. They're just like, oh well, you do careful what you say around them. But and
0: at like, least at this point you yeah. had some time on the job, and, right, right? Like we were just talking like we were talking about earlier. Who you know might get your foot in the door, but it's what you know and what you do that that establishes yeah. who you are in that position and potentially get in the next role.
1: Exactly, and that's 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 what got me there is that he essentially opened the door for me and me being who I am, I felt you ran I, through it. I wasn't doing enough, and so it is. I'm, you know, I'd go home. I it was just something I'd bring home with me every day. Study. You have to do a lot of different certifications and just it's a lucky
0: company that you take it home with you. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of people want to be able to leave their job when they leave, and yeah. you know, that's something. Personal. Personally, I never really was good at I yeah. always wanted to take my job home and that's why I ended up kind of building my own business starting my own business yeah. because that's you know I was like if I'm gonna think about this 24 7 I might as well be the one with my name on the door you know might as yeah. well have some ownership stake in this yeah um, so I mean you, you take this home with you you've been in this job for two years now you moved uh, from North Carolina to Dallas Fort Worth. Um, I mean, are you still in that role? Is this something yes. that's worked out for you?
1: Yeah, I'm actually, right now it is. I'm still uh, working on a job. I was working on a school. I've never built a school, in schools or wow. it's a $150 million contract wow. job. So it's, that's yeah, a big deal, huh? It is. It's, it's the biggest job I've been on, um, but it's it, there's a lot of different parts and pieces to it. It's, you know, I'm I'm used to my big thing is I'm used to a fast pace. I like having a hundred things on my plate because I can itemize. Yeah. And run down. Exactly. So when the, the, my big thing is, I have to try to look at the I guess the fifty yard line. Yep. Of how far it is, I need to look ahead because if you look too far ahead, then you're going to end up losing track of side of the things in front of you that you need to start handling. Yeah. So it, it's just it's it's just a different aspect because I'm used to I have at the end of the week or every Friday when working as a production it was i had to get all these cars out or i had a month to look at as this i'm looking at at the end of every month i need to be at a benchmark and it was just right. so it's a slower pace but it's a lot of it's a big learning experience and i've i've enjoyed every bit of it i mean you had a yeah. few more zeros on the end of the budget but it's a uh it's just a different environment i've enjoyed it because the industry i went from working in there's a lot of i mean there's a lot of people out there there's alcoholics there's you know a lot of these guys aren't college educated and i'm just not saying that makes you a uh you know, less of a person, but some of these people, they just, they act a a different way. And it's like some of these guys, it's like, you know, a lot of them, I still keep in contact with them. I got really close with them working there 60 hours a week and, you know, I made good friends there, but, but, you know, at the end of the day is... I still go back. Last time I went there to go see those guys, my old manager, he actually offered me a position to run a store. Wow! He like man, I miss you. He says, like, it's been messed up since you left. He's like, come back. I'll make you a manager and let yeah, you run the store. Yeah, to feel good, so, a vote of
0: confidence.
1: It, it, it did make me feel good. i us move
0: backward. You don't need yeah, that.
1: No, yeah. it's And that's where I kind of told him, I said, you know, I said, I, I, I greatly appreciate the offer. You know, that's, I, I like that we can still have that relationship, but.
0: Yeah, you just take it for what it is, it, a vote of confidence and keep going. Exactly. So did, when you So uh, when you had this opportunity in sight and you, I guess you finally make that decision, how long between saying I'm moving to Dallas Fort Worth and it actually happening
1: um it all actually happened relatively quick um like months weeks it was
0: it was about a month
1: process wow
0: so four weeks beginning to end
1: uh yeah I was so I put in a um I I, when I moved to Dallas obviously I hadn't I'd only been to Texas one time and it was for a funeral when I was about nine years old so uh, so fond memories (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) and that was in Austin Texas which I thought you know being in North Carolina. Oh, that's only three, you know, two, three hours away. No, that's, you know, about five hours away from where we are. And it's just, you know, in Dallas, Fort Worth, exactly. Austin Dallas, Fort Worth. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it, it, Texas is a big state. It's its yeah. own, you know, small country. So
0: did you save up to make that move or did you have savings in place at the um, time?
1: At the time I had, I had a little bit, I didn't have as much as what I'd liked. And that's where it came down to, you know, I guess that's one of the other decision factors that i put into getting down there was that I wasn't getting promised as much as I was, and I was trying to make up for that lack of pay by working extra hours and getting my overtime and everything, and it's- Well, I I suppose my
0: question is more like, is this something that you had to save up for to make that move? Like, how much does a move cost oh, no. to get from North Carolina oh, to Texas? God,
1: the, well, the company, uh, luckily it is, it was in my contract, it was, they, they'd move me, so.
0: Oh, wow, that's yes. huge. I asked oh, yeah. my company to move me when I went from <laughs> North Carolina to Denver, and they laughed at me. No, I said, yeah. Oh, yeah, right.
1: Right, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with being a superintendent, that's. It, you're lucky if you get to stay local. So, it, you know, got with it. them with them having that, it's not unheard of for a lot it, of superintendents to Got it.
0: To so it's kind of part of the business. Exactly. Okay. It's part
1: of a lot of their a lot of their deals. I mean, they actually had a contract with U-Haul. So basically, I'm spending money before I even get there. So when I get yeah. there, I'm sending in expense reports on my first day. Oh, so just...
0: you do have to front it, though. You front yes. it and they reimburse you. Do they tell you, like, how much they reimburse?
1: Um, well, originally they said, you know, if I used a moving company, I didn't have that much stuff, obviously. You know, right. being 21 moving yeah. down there, it's like, you know, I'm... I only had so much.
0: You haven't had the time and money to collect all these possessions yet. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it was so it makes life flexible.
1: Exactly. Um. So you know, I moved down there and it, it was able to. I had just a I don't know, it's like a 14 foot U haul or 16 foot U haul. I just packed up, um, and then with this, I actually had a little. Used to have a little Subaru. I've always, like I said, I've had my fast cars. I enjoyed that little car, but I needed something practical now. Now I'm going into an industry where. I needed a truck, more or less. Coming of age experience. Exa- that too, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Cool. So you so, get rid
0: of the Subaru.
1: I, yeah, I got rid of that little Subaru. I missed that car. I, was, I had a lot of stuff done. to It It was fun. Um, but anyway, I, I got so I got a new truck because I got tired of my Subaru. I just got done putting a new transmission and a new motor in it, and you know, as fun as it was, I needed something reliable, and yeah. you know, it, so I went in. I got a new new vehicle, and they gave me a truck allowance. Like
0: brand new or like used?
1: Um, it was a it was new a used it was vehicle? a. It was basically new. It only had like uh, six thousand, seven oh, thousand miles on that's it. That's new, yeah. So it was, yeah. It was a twenty sixteen uh, Silverado that I went and was in and was able to get. Um, just to take out a loan for it. I did. Okay. Uh, you know, I had to. And that was that was hard to get. I actually had to use my offer letter to be able to even get the truck. Oh because, sure,
0: sure. Because you do didn't come to support it. So is this in North Carolina? You buy the truck, or yes. do you buy it in, so you drive, buy it in North Carolina and drive it out?
1: Yes, I actually I bought it at a Mini Cooper dealership. Is where I found the truck. I was looking for months to be able to find something that was you know within my price range. I had a set budget set here. Here's how much it is, because I got a truck allowance with there, and I kind of estimated out, okay, you know, they gave me $800 a month for a vehicle allowance. What? I, yeah. That's I was, amazing. I know. When I heard that, I was just like, they do that? So,
0: just $800 <laughs> check coming to each month, or they'll pay up to the $800 per month, but they'll only pay as much as your payment is?
1: Well, they would They would actually, for what my understanding of it, when I heard truck allowance, I said, sweet, they pay for my vehicle, but it was as my job as a superintendent, I do a lot of driving. So yeah. that $800 was essentially for them to lease my vehicle for me, even if I didn't uh, go out. So and they buy... give you the whole 800. Yeah,
0: but that's, it's to pay for gas. Mm. It's depreciation. Ex- it's the exactly. damage on your car. So you almost should be like saving that money. Right? Uh,
1: you no, know, in hindsight, that's what I should have done. <laughs> but you know, I'm sitting here thinking about it. I said, shoot, they're paying my monthly payment. and a brand strategy,
0: new But what strategy you could even employ moving forward would be to like take a portion of that 20%, 30% and put it in like a, a Mental account or uh, even yeah. a physical account that separates it, like a, a slush fund for maintenance on the truck
1: and that's that's exactly what it is i've been able to start doing so cool, i have good. two two separate savings accounts one of them that Beautiful. i don't even i don't even touch it it's a high performance so it builds a little bit it's actually with the usa like a high
0: yield savings account type yeah thing. exactly so do you have automatic contributions to it or do you manually do it? uh,
1: it's a manual thing just because okay. right now it is that um my, my wife she's in school she's going to uh, baylor right now so nice. i'm having to finance her going through school and she's not working so i have basically i'm the sole supporter right now wow. so i have to you know, and like I said, from where I was five years ago to now, I still look back and I mean, you know, I've sure. obviously I've had my help along the way. I'm not going to pretend I've done it all on my, no on my one own. No one does it alone. No one does it alone. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, just just to look at it. I find myself blessed. Yeah, I'm spending a lot of money, but it's at the same time I'm looking at it as investments. My wife's going to school to be a nurse anesthetist.
0: Absolutely an investment. Yeah. Let's take one more brief break from the show to discuss this episode's wealth growing strategy, which is. Investing in your spouse's college education. Now, generally, there are many benefits to investing in a college education. But remember that Brian here specifically is working to support his wife as she goes to nursing school and further anesthesiologist school in order to benefit the whole family in the long run. Brian is investing in the long term financial health of the family by supporting his wife as she pursues this college education. Not only that, but she's pursuing education in a highly desired career field with a strong expected return on investment. So that will likely raise the overall household income in the long run. The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics suggests that workers with a four-year college degree make on average $399 more a week than those without a college degree. Now remember, Brian spoke about his dreams of one day starting a business. So if he did that, his wife would be in a better position with a nursing and anesthesiologist degree to support the household financially. And further in this case, because she has that specialist degree. Now, skipping college to go directly into the workforce can be a good option for a lot of people. That's what Brian did in this case. But investing in college also has its own benefits. So for you as an individual, it's really important to understand what you want out of life, what you want out of your career in the next five, ten years. And from there, work backwards to decide if a college education is truly necessary for you or not. But do keep in mind that US labor statistic about higher uh, income for someone with a college degree than someone without. Now let's get back to my interview with Brian. (laughs)
1: So it's you know, it, it's it's great. I mean, it's um, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at is I, of course, I'd like to maybe move somewhere. It's not so hot. I've never been a big fan of the heat, yeah. but you know, but
0: a little more financial breathing room. You're in a comfortable spot. Yeah. Your wife's going to school, Baylor's and State in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, you're making an investment in your family's future. I mean, not That's... only are you investing in her future, which has to feel good supporting someone else getting their education. Exactly. But. Um, you, you know, you're doing something for the greater good, yeah. even if it's selfish, and that it's your family. You're, yeah, you're you're building this, this financial foundation for your family, or this educational foundation yeah. in regards to your wife, so that financial freedom is attainable.
1: Exactly, and that's that's ideally the goal. Is that even even my wife has told me because she's going to school to be nurse anesthetist, which is so she still has. It's a year program that's supposed to be a two year program, so she's on an advanced track so it's going to be done in a year so she has just crazy she's had within one week she has like a midterm and then had a exam final exam for like the class that she just started like seven days ago so it's it's very it'll
0: definitely pay off though i had a i had a friend's yeah. mom who already grew up with a friend whose mom did that and yeah. they they did well they, yeah
1: and so it's you know she's gonna go advanced past that So she has to go do she's gonna be a nurse for two years and then after that then she has another two years of anesthetist right. school to go to and then
0: and that's the the people that put you to sleep essentially exactly. when you're going and she's gonna be surgery.
1: exactly so she's gonna be the aide there to basically administer determine the amount of pain you're in so yeah. it's you know on a scale of one to ten here's where you're at and just to help Which out. Which is
0: actually very subjective. I learned this recently. Yeah. But within the last year or two that there's no true metric for the pain people feel. And that yeah. kind of leads to a lot of the opioid abuse and people yep. go in, they say, I'm in pain. The doctor says, are you in pain? They're like, yeah. yes, I'm in pain. And <laughs> yeah. he's like, well, on a scale of one to 10, how much pain are you in? They're like, 10. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I got to take your word for it. There's, yeah, not, there's no test here. Right. It's interesting. Yeah. So, so she has to determine that essentially.
1: Exactly. And so that's, that's what she's, you know, for the advanced school she's going to go to, it's just Right now, she's learning the very basics of nursing. It's sure, just, you right. know, the basics, how to give shots, how to check blood pressure. And it's, you know, cool. they're very specific on a lot of these things. And I mean, as they should be, it's healthcare. And, you know, you yeah. got to, you miss something, it could mean somebody's life. So, of course, you That's know, they great. want you to.
0: I love it no i mean i love that you're doing that i love the investment i I think an investment in education is always a worthwhile investment especially something like that where the roi the return on investment of your education is clear so no that's beautiful and then i mean are you able to save money i mean it's even though you have this this greater income it it does sound like um you also have more expenditures with the move so are you able to still save have you found that capability
1: Um, yeah right now it's it's not as fast as we like but it is that i do already when i opened the account. I was able to, I stayed with her parents when we first moved to Texas, obviously. Nice. I don't. Nice. I didn't have enough of a savings built up because I was working that job where I wasn't able to put anything back. Well, and, you have
0: to put a down payment down. You have to exactly your down payment down for cable. Do your down payment down for like, just exactly. I mean, it's expensive to move. That's what yeah. I was wondering about, kind of like if we had to save for it. So you yeah. had the ability to go live with them at least for a period of time. Yes. Are you still living with them?
1: Oh, no. I, we've okay. been out on our own for uh, over, uh, shoot, it's been over a year now. So it's been a year and a half almost. We've been out. So you
0: spent about six months or so with the parents?
1: Yeah, we spent about six months with the parents at their house. And as you know, it was great, great living
0: situations where it is, you know, it's so nice. I wish I talk about it all the time. I wish I could have lived at home for like the first year or two that I was working in the corporate field and just save that money.
1: Oh, it was it was a great help. It is. That's what's built my, my savings account to be able to have that. And that's basically, you know, I've always heard you want at least at least a four week salary, saved up to where if anything ever happened like you know when they had a market crash nobody ever expects to lose their job
0: four weeks for you you're a young man i would say three to six months is ideal and then for people later in their career if they have a specialized job like you know, they're like you mentioned EVP right. type thing where you're yeah. not easily gonna get another job. Maybe closer to a year on a conservative level, but right. yeah. But I love the idea that you, in general, understand that importance right. of an emergency fund and you plan for it. Yeah,
1: no, I mean, actually, I, I said weeks. I I meant months. You gotcha, said it, and gotcha. I'm like, wait, no, 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 that came out <laughs> wrong. I was like, weeks is incorrect. Gotcha, gotcha. Because cool. I, I started thinking how much I have, and I said, no, it's it's three to four months. You're right, good, it good. is. So no, it is. I've learned a That's lot of perfect. these little things along the ways, and it's just like you know, so. I don't have that same stressful financial burden that I had when I was always constantly. Yeah, I could only work so many hours, but I could yeah. push my body to physical limits. Now it's I'm on salary, so I have a guarantee of how much I'm going to be getting every month. And so
0: that means your emotional health is better. That means your physical health yes. is better. You have more balance in your life. Exactly. I mean, dude, the sacrifices made on the front end a lot of times are, are more brutal. They're not just financial. They yeah. really truly are emotional and physical, and a lot of times emotional... Lack of stability or lack of stability in your emotional health leads to physical yeah. issues. Uh, you know whether it's because you're eating worse or because it's not sleeping oh, yeah. enough. You don't have time to work out. You it's know? and
1: that's that was a lot of it. Is I, I grew up. I mean I used to I was in the gym a lot growing up. It's just uh, you know because when I was younger I played football and you know I actually after my football I actually found out something that completely kind of changed my life is that uh, soft uh, yeah soft, yeah no freshman year into my freshman year in high school I got a concussion and actually found out from my concussion i'm walking off the field at the end of the game saying you know hey did we win the game i played the whole rest of the second half watched my game film i did what i was supposed to do Damn. don't remember a bit of it anyway i got a concussion from that i'm asking people as we're walking off the field hey did we win the game um so i go get a cat scan and uh they found out i have a brain tumor oh wow yeah so that currently that, or before oh uh, no currently it's still okay. there there okay. was and they're unable to operate on it where it's at it's benign so gotcha. i'm i'm Fortunate for so that, they don't just, need to do anything. It's as long as it doesn't grow. Uh, sure. After I had, did have a surgery, basically, it's just it's a where it's located it's in between my brainstem and my spinal column. It's just allow flow. Oh God,
0: they me... Okay.
1: Yeah, so it's it, and I had to, unfortunately I I had aspirations to you know I was after I quit playing football I'm still you know young you know sixteen year old kid young with butt. a lot of testosterone I'm like <laughs> man I got to do something with this energy. So I put it all into working out. I couldn't do any contact sports. I cool. always, you know, I enjoyed the taekwondo growing up. I always enjoyed physical contact sports. I couldn't go do any more sparring matches. So, and it's so changed not, my life.
0: So not being able to do that when you were financially in more of a struggle had to be tough mentally. It was,
1: definitely, because that's where I grew up with is that that was my stress reliever. I couldn't right. afford to go to the gym. i big on know, that. I didn't have the time, and it's, you know, it's, I didn't have the balance in my life that what, you know, any balance man should key. have and just any person Absolutely. should have.
0: Absolutely. I, I truly believe balance is key. You know, there's a there's this billionaire guru guy that was on Joe Rogan recently and he was talking about how um you know he's big on helping people with the basics, preaching pretty much the same things that we preach here, uh you know, setting up savings accounts, having this healthy foundation, go work for yourself or at least yeah. work for a small company. And not only grow your wealth to a point where you're comfortable and free, but do that while being happy. He said, you know, if you're so, like all these people that are highly educated, allegedly higher education comes with a higher correlation towards depression and his idea is, well, if you're so smart, figure out how to be happy. Mm-hmm. Like you're so smart, you're able to get all this money get all this higher education, but you can't figure out happiness. Like you should be able to do oh, both. Yeah. And that requires balance. That requires having physical health, having right. emotional health. And and that creates the, this balance and this foundation that allows you to, to be, uh, at peace as yeah. a person.
1: Uh, and my, my dad told me something when I was, after I would moved out, you know, it wasn't necessarily the best of ways to move out. I was very, you know, bitter and angry when I moved out and just sure. for, I, it was just more of a personal thing. And my dad, you know, he took it hard. I took it hard. It was an easy thing to do moving out on your own, your parents, you know, essentially you're spreading your wings. But yeah. my dad mentioned something to me when I was on the phone with him and just talking and, you know, I would mentioned how much I was working. He's of course concerned as any parent would be for, How many hours I was working and everything else? Yeah, so he wanted to make sure I was able to eat and have food on my table every day because that's you know that's his goal at the end of the day. That's why he wanted me to go to school and he wants me to have a good future. But he said something on the phone that just mentioned to me that spoke to me and I've stuck with and always it kind of reminds me is that. It's work to live, don't live to work.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm a big, big proponent of that. I mean, I think ideally integrate your work into your life and then it's really cool. (laughs)
1: Exactly, man. If you enjoy what you do, I mean, it really is. I mean, it's, you know, right now where I'm at, it's not that I dislike it, but it's just not where my passion is. So. Eventually, it is. I use this as basically it's a it's a temporary measure for me to be able to get where I really want to go in life. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Stepping stone. Cool. No, I love it. I mean, I think you you're doing awesome. I'm, I just want to dig in a little bit. In, it's kind of your your financial habits because it sounds like you've worked so hard. You clearly have this work ethic yeah. instilled by your father, your family, or whatever you've seen you yeah. know throughout your your childhood. He he sets you up with a great foundation of getting you thinking about money at a young age. Thirteen years old, you have your first checking account. Sixteen, you're going and working, and you, you're already. Have this idea and this value of saving money. Yeah. So currently, I mean, do you set these formal savings goals? Obviously, uh, a financial goal and a value you have is education, financial goal being uh, supporting your wife as she uh, pursues this further education in college. So that's a formal goal. But are you like writing down these goals? Are they just things that you guys have mentally that you talk about? I mean, how do you how do you identify your values and your financial goals as an individual, but then also with your wife?
1: A little bit of both. I mean, a lot of it, a lot of it is just, uh, we do a lot of verbal conversations, but just me, I like to see see and to be able to touch things. So I work out, it's just a simple spreadsheet I have just for monthly finances of here's how much, and just basically gives me a variance of, here's how much you make, and here's how much you're spending on this. That is
0: beautiful. I don't think you understand how few people do this. I mean, the people that, you know, I run a wealth management firm, yeah. the people, my clients that come to me with spreadsheets on their spending, I, I want to kiss them. I think yeah. it's phenomenal. I mean, it's amazing that you have this understanding of your cash flow. A lot of people say they know where their money's going, but do they really? They're, yeah. they're just mentally keeping track of it. They forget McDonald's. They forget yeah. the milkshake here. They forget yeah. CVS, the Walgreens. So, I mean, you're, you're actually keeping track of it. That's, that, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. And it, it's, you know, I try to, it's really where it is. is I don't like saying I don't know. I'm one of those guys. If somebody says I need you to do this, if I say I don't know, I say let me look. I'll, I'll let me out. handle it. I'll find yeah. out. Yeah, it's it's not a no. It's because at the end of the day, if I didn't know, well now I learned and I can do it for myself. But anyway, it's I don't like saying well, where did our money go this month? How come we weren't able to save? I can go back and yeah, it's it, it's a learning curve and it takes a lot of pro- it's you know it's tedious. You're running through receipts. You're running through seeing exactly where everything went. Um, you know, we have uh, just a general budget, which is hey. Here's, I know, here's our, basically our, uh, our controls of here's our, my, my phone bill is going to be this much each month. Gas bill is going to be our variable. It's going to go up or down. Do you share we a have, bank account? Uh, right. Yeah, we do. Okay. Yeah, so do, do the bills working. get paid out of that? Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah. right.
0: So the share bank account, bills get paid out of that. You you keep track of everything. You have this great understanding. Yeah. Do you set any formal savings goals or is it more we save what we can?
1: Right Right now, it's just with me being the only one working, it's just we save what we can. I mean, yeah. there's always these variables that pop up you can't ever expect for, which is exactly why I have this emergency fund of, Beautiful. you know, I have, it's more than three months finances or three months salary of what I have put back. So awesome. we've, we had she has an older jeep that she's had since it was her first car we try not to i mean we try to live off just what we need um cool. so is you that know, paid off or do you pay oh no it? it's it's paid off it is Beautiful. a 99 jeep that her parents bought for her when she was 16 so so
0: you have no outright car payments
1: it's uh well actually yeah, we do now just because okay. that's where I was getting into so her jeep was it was when it, i mean I've worked on cars so luckily I'm able to save us a little bit of money there but it's just you know it's axles here nice. it's you know it's all these different parts to start going wrong and then it was more of a a family thing i want her to feel safe and especially driving in texas the people there drive crazy everywhere everywhere so (laughs) you know i i I look at this old jeep and you know there's things going wrong with it i worry about her being broke down and so you know we went out recently and i was able to you know with like i said we had unfortunately we did have to get into our savings but i still have plenty enough left back in there to where i'm comfortable so you took out
0: a loan for this new car we did so you have a car loan you have your rent does your uh, current job provide you with any benefits?
1: Uh, my my current job now it's similar benefits to what I have. They I healthcare get my, insurance. I get my healthcare, dental, everything Good. paid through them. Um, and I got my 401 k that you I do started. have a 401 k. Yes, Beautiful. and they, they do uh, they match my six percent. So
0: six percent is a high match. That's, that's great.
1: I, that's that's awesome. I love that. So and it you is, contribute up to the max. I contribute up Good. to the max. Or yes. So, the max yeah. match at least. <laughs> Good. Yeah, exactly. So I, it's it's stupid. Not I mean those benefits are there for their benefits. Yeah. So
0: yeah. lowers your income, your taxable income at the end of the year. Because you're paying less than taxes, and you're saving money. Exactly. And you're getting the money from your employer. Otherwise, you're leaving money on the table if you don't get that match.
1: And this is all stuff I've learned within the past two years. Cool. I love it. It's not anything.
0: Well, and you're not done learning, right? It's a journey. You're going to learn all these little things. And like we were talking about earlier at the tipping point, one day you wake up, hopefully, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know that I need to go to work you know yeah so so what does financial freedom look like for you
1: Uh, financial freedom for me is ideally just to be able to I mean I know everything's going to start out small it's just but where it is I'm my own boss to where if I want to go and it goes back to the you know I want to be able to work or you know work to live I want to be able to go there's a lot of experiences I want to be able to go do it if I want to come down and see see my friends down here in Colorado and come see y'all y'all I can come you know drive down and say hey you know I need you to run things, I want to be gone and not have to worry about necessarily putting in a PTO. I'm still going to work, obviously, but it's, yeah. you know.
0: Well, well, you're young in your career, right? Yeah, I mean, so this very... sounds, this vision sounds nice. It sounds like it's a little bit out, but you're doing all the things right now that are correct. I mean, you're, yeah. you're setting this healthy foundation for yourself. Yeah. You clearly see the value of checking accounts, savings accounts, the emergency funds, you have your company right. retirement account taken care of, yeah. and then you're saving above and beyond that when you can. You're investing in your wife's education exactly. for the greater good of the family. I mean, dude, I, I think it's as a snowball, right? Yeah. You yeah. just keep rolling the snowball downhill. It'll keep gaining snow in, and you'll. I realize financial freedom as long yep. as you, you keep these healthy practices. That's, I think you're crushing it.
1: That's that's the plan. It's just you know, it, I'm an impatient person, so it is that I always feel, and this is one of the things I'm always my worst enemy. I feel like I'm not pushing myself hard enough. I tell myself, okay, there's. I know I'm working here, but I need to be doing something on the side to be able to get that goal to where when I do, I can transition out of working from a salary based to into, you know, a passion of mine or into my own.
0: So maybe that looks like setting up a, another savings account and slowly, you know, regardless of the amount, if you're putting yeah. in $1 a week, $1 a day, a $100 a week, whatever right. you can put in, and that's towards this idea of, you know, starting a business. Exactly. You know, that's that's something and you know, it could be something to work towards. It gives you a, a prize to keep your eyes yeah. on and,
1: and motivate you. Yeah. I and mean, we talk about it all the time is that, you know, when she eventually cool. graduates, she'll be at the point where she'll make that's enough to right. be able to support. Support me, and That's when she right. graduates, oh, then that is it's, exciting. So it, you know, it's awesome when when I when we hear about it. It's just you know, it's it's it comes very quickly. Like yeah. when I just found out, I've been down here for two years and yeah. in Texas, all is just you know, it blew my mind. Us, I, I can't believe it's come by that fast. So it's you know, what do you do for meals? Uh, for meals, oh, I do a little bit of, a little bit of everything. I try okay. to eat as healthy as I can. Of course, I want to try to get good protein, but you know, I got right now it is, I have a very lean metabolism so I can kind of eat whatever the heck I want, which I'm fortunate for, but I still try to keep it to where, cause after I get off work, I work outside. Sometimes it's, Ninety percent humidity with hundred degrees. Are you
0: eating while you're at work? Yes. Okay. I Wait, eat every day. So are you like bringing it?
1: I uh, bring bring my breakfast. Um, what I, does that look like? Uh, my breakfast. I try to do like a high carbs. I typically bring like I'll get. Because you're
0: working in the sun all day, like you exactly.
1: Said. I, I get a Greek yogurt, uh, yeah. one of these uh, Nature Valley granola bars, nice. and uh, Nutri-Grain bar, and that's cool. usually for me in the morning. That and either a cup of coffee or an energy drink, something just go. get me going. Because breakfast has always been very important to me. If I sometimes if I miss lunch, I'm I'm okay. I'll get something just to snack on to keep me rolling. But uh, but I always try to get something in because when I get off work, depending on what time that is, I always go to the gym. And, what does
0: lunch work lunch? Well, what does lunch <laughs> look like when you have to be outside all day?
1: Uh, lunch is honestly it's you can either come back after lunch and be hating life, or you can come back from lunch and say it's not so bad. So you
0: go get lunch. You yeah, go we, okay,
1: exactly. We go get lunch. Sometimes we'll have. Uh, you know, we have people come out, subcontractors. They Just this week, we had somebody bring us in a whole bunch of not healthy options. It's cookies and donuts. Uh, they healthy. bring they bring in all these things that are very tempting, but you just kind yeah. of have to, you know, look That's the other corporate way. corporate world for you. You know, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, so you generally go buy your lunch and then dinner, uh, do you cook it at home? Do you guys go out to eat?
1: Uh, we, we try to limit only going out to eat it's if at most once a week. So okay. So it's we, like a date night when you go out to exactly. eat. Exactly. It's just, you know, something to either reward us as a benefit of saying like, Hey, we, you know, we've had a long week. Like what, what do you want to do this Saturday night? So Monday through Friday, we can have something to cook. We have leftovers. And then if there's leftovers, cool. bring that to work for, you know, for my meals. Nice. And cause you know, you spend $10 a day going out just oh, for, easily. just for meals. And,
0: cool. So yeah. you do a pretty good job of controlling the budget, uh, with food. So what? Uh, what do you do, like entertainment-wise, on the weekend?
1: Uh, entertainment-wise, it's just just for the time being. There's a lot of things. That, I mean, for me, I like to go to car shows and stuff like that. That's typically a free event. You just have to wake yeah. up early enough to get out there and cool, cool. Texas. There's a lot of oil money, so there's you know very expensive cars out there, and it's just some nice. just really neat stuff to look at in general. And free entertainment, exactly. Cool. So I try to find the the stuff that's simple to entertain. You know, be yeah. able to go hiking. Uh, my neighbors, you know, just sit out on the front porch and do some drinking or something like yeah. that. And you know, but uh, but for the most part, it's you know go. Just I, I typically stay around the house and just watch TV right now. It's, you cool. know, it's, it's not the most exciting, but that's, you know, for where we're living at, I don't want to go outside. It's just it's too hot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I hear you. So, uh, you know, but, um, once, once my wife starts working, it's just right now it's, we can't, there's a lot of things that we want to do that we strive to be able to do, you know, to go, go hiking, take the dogs out. You know, ideally one one of my big goals I've always wanted, and I'm sure almost half of the men in America strive for this is to have a house with a little bit of land. Sure. You know, I want, uh, I want, I want to be able to go do some of the activities I enjoy, what I grew up doing, riding four So that's one of your financial goals. It definitely is to be yeah. able
0: to, it's. So maybe it's not written down, but it doesn't, it's not far from your, the front of your mind. It, you you exactly. know, you can picture it. You know what you want. Exactly.
1: So that's it's, great. I it, think
0: knowing what you want is the first step, right? And then yeah. it, Identify the values. The values create your financial goals and then it's just implementing the action items to get there. Working backwards. I yeah. love it. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're crushing it. I think you're crushing it. Well, I think your journey awesome. has been, so, I mean, we're talking about what, seven years, but it's been so dynamic it throughout be- the process. and. I think it's awesome. You went from, you know, you truly worked your way to where you are now, and I think you're setting an amazing foundation to to springboard from here and yeah. and, and realize your financial freedom and your goal is starting a company and, and your your land and a house and a Yeah, dog. definitely. that's great.
1: That's one of the things. I mean, of course, I, I know you personally, but it's when I get to see the, you know, on, when I saw you all came out with your podcast and your own company, I saw it seeking financial freedom. Immediately, just for me, those words, it just it stuck out to me just because Everybody, I feel like, in a way, is seeking for it. It's, it's a journey, people, baby. It is, man, and it's just you got to have the the I I you know the I guess the courage to be able to take that step because not everybody does, and it's it's a scary step. When I think about all the businesses I want to start, it's you know. What's step one? And that's where yeah. it is. I know what's, I know where the end point is. I just don't step
0: know. Step one is get off the couch and <laughs> <Exactly>. do it. <laughs> no, I mean, you're, yeah, you're, you're 100% right. I couldn't agree more. And I think, uh, uh, you know, one reason I, I really enjoy martial arts is because of the parallels there, finance and martial arts. Yeah. You know, it might be cliche. It might be just me and this is my perspective and this is my world. But I truly believe that the, the parallels are so so evident, you know, martial arts is a journey. uh, My other podcast is the prize fighting business and cross promotion, but the other, the the people that come on the show, I can't tell you how many of them when they picture themselves day one, walking into the gym, their vision of their goals are completely different from where they are seven years, eight years into their career. You know, Everyone has this vision of I'm gonna be super rich. Maybe. But what, what is financial freedom really? I mean, what does that look like? Is, yeah. If financial freedom means that you get to wake up when you're 50 and not have to go to work, well, that means saving more now. That means having a higher percentage of savings now. Yeah, You know, it, it's all just what, what do you truly value? And what you truly value helps you get to your goals. And then your goals are going to, you know, you can Google how to get anywhere in this <laughs> life. You yeah. know, you just got to figure out what you want.
1: Yeah, and that's that's a big big way for it is that financial freedom for me, I don't look at being, you know, if I get to be a millionaire, that's awesome. Because I, I look at then at that point, I can, you know, pass it down and be able to help my, if I have kids, you know, to be able to give my kids something. So I don't want anyone to ever have to go through what I went through. It's sure. just, you know, it was a struggle. It was hard. Like I said, it's some weeks to say, I don't know if I'm going to eat. So it's, you know, for me, financial freedom isn't being a millionaire. It's yeah. just... I want to be at the point, and I'm, I am feel slowly getting there, and that's where it's like, you know, it, it makes me smile looking back of where oh, yeah. I was to where I oh, am, yeah. is that, you know, I can go out and I can spend, you know, if it's $100, it's like, you know, it's it's a decent amount of money, but it's not anything crazy. If four You're not years concerned ago, concerned about it, exact four years. I know what what I bought, and I've looked into it. And, you know, obviously, yeah. I've done learned from the mistake of not being very impulsive and just buying yeah. something. So now it's. But anyway, I can go out and spend a hundred dollars, and I'm not looking back. You know, like should I've really done that? I've already. I'm comfortable. I can do it, and it comes down to it. Like I said, I was able to. You know, it was a, I went out and got my wife a car. I never imagined I'd be able to do that. Yeah. So you know, it's, it's just big. it's it, just to be able to do stuff like that. I mean, it's you know, obviously I didn't pay for all that outright, but to be able to go and just do the little things. Uh, financial freedom means being able to have happiness to me. It's just a, uh, it's not necessarily like I said, being rich. I can be very content off of what I'm li- making now. It's you know, I'm putting, I'm able to still save, put my wife through school, have a car payment, and pay for all of our expenses and I have three dogs you know it's yeah. it's for me it's like I'm, I'm happy where I'm at and I know when she graduates things are just going to become easier and we'll be able to do some of the things we enjoy such as you know be able to go afford some of the trips to go and go do some like you know go snowboarding or go yeah. out on the lake and you know be able to just do the things that make us happy it's not the materialistic things end it's of the experiences. day experiences exactly it's the experiences of and what experiences you get and experiences that got you there exactly. that journey baby yeah. yes
0: sir martial arts and financial freedom yes, it's, all yes, it's all a journey it's all a journey you yeah. never know where you're going to end up but you can yeah. you can set these goals and, and work towards them and, yeah and a lot of times you realize that you achieve them and and even more than you yeah. set your eyes on so and no I think it's great
1: exactly and that's, that's one of the things about martial arts that I really appreciate is that Sometimes it's not about if you're going to win the fight. I mean, of course, obviously you want to win, but sometimes you might get your ass kicked. But, you know, at the end of that fight, you can say you learned something and you'll know what to do better next time and you you know it's just always trying to make yourself be better you can't I'm not if I walked into the gym with you right now and we got and we started doing some sparring I mean I've sparred with you just a little bit you yeah, know yeah. just with friends at the house and it's like next thing I know I'm folded up in a pretzel <laughs> and you know I, I don't consider myself to be a professional by any means sure. but it's like you know I have some knowledge of it. me and my brother he did it for many years when we were younger but you know there's a vast knowledge of stuff I do not know out there but I enjoy it because it's like you said you and, and you and definitely want to be the best you can be at it. And it's, you know, you start, you don't ever start from going out and being, you know, your Chuck Liddell's and you're not going to walk into the octagon and just say, Oh, you know, yeah. I'm and, the you, king. It's, and you're never there either, right? No. You're
0: never, you're never at this final destination. It's all a journey. It's all, you know, you know I might be financially free today, yeah. but I could all be gone tomorrow. I it, mean, it's all a journey.
1: It, it is. And that's where it's just like, you know, you got to be able to you just learn from and essentially your life's your ass kickings in life. You got to learn from them and just, you know, it might knock you back down, but you got to get back up and keep moving forward because life's a train. It doesn't go in reverse.
0: That's right. I love it. I think it's a great way to end it. I appreciate you coming on, Brian.
1: Not a problem, man. Great. And it's been a great conversation. I loved having you, man. Yeah, thank Thank you. you.
0: Brian is an example of a saver and investor that does a great job of tracking his expenses, works hard and lives below his means. Remember, Keeping things simple and controlling the things that we can control is what builds wealth over time. Now, let's move on to the rest of our show. This is your behavioral pitfall to avoid this weekend, overconfidence, specifically in regards to investing, but particularly in regards to investing your retirement assets. Remember to keep your investment approach simple utilize index funds, and focus on minimizing your investment expense ratios as much as possible. Stock picking does not work. Even the professionals keep their investments simple. Mark J. Perry of AEI in the University of Michigan penned a blog post that presented evidence that suggests that 95% of finance professionals do not beat the market over time. Further, in 2007, Legendary investor Warren Buffett made a $1 million bet against protégé partners that hedge funds would not outperform an S&P 500 index fund. He won. Buffett specifically recommends them as a way to boost retirement savings, saying, quote, consistently buy an S&P 500 low-cost index fund, end quote, he told CNBCs on the money. The Oracle of Omaha even said he's instructed the trustee in charge of his estate to invest 90% of his money into the S&P 500 for his wife after he dies. There's been no better bet than America, Warren Buffett says. Don't fall victim to overconfidence bias this weekend, thinking that you are somehow special and you have the ability to beat the market. The odds are against you. So just focus on your day job, live below your means, and remember, save and invest, spend the rest. Today's history and finance segment comes from July 6th, 2007, when the uptick rule was ended. The uptick rule was put into effect in 1938 and made it so that short sales were allowed on an exchange only when the trade immediately prior to the short sale was at a higher price, or an uptick. It never did apply to short positions taken in ETFs. The SEC had been considering removal of this rule for years, Completing studies that established no substantial difference regarding stock price performance with the uptick restriction removed. On July 6, 2007, the uptick rule was ended, lasting from 1938 to 2007. That's our show, so thanks for watching. And if you liked what you saw, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Seeking Financial Freedom Show. For more content, check us out online at www.seekingfinancial-freedom.com. Follow us on Instagram at Seeking underscore Freedom. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. Thanks a lot.